Chapter Two of Nan Sherwood at Pine Camp. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Carmen H. Nan Sherwood at Pine Camp by Annie Rollcar. Chapter Two: The Cottage on Amity Street. The little shingle cottage stood back from the street in a deeper yard than most of its neighbors it was built the year nan was born so the roses the honeysuckle and the calamities had become of stalwart growth and quite shaded the front and side porches the front steps had begun to sag a little but mr sherwood had blocked them up the front fence had got out of alignment and the same able mechanic had righted it and set the necessary new posts the trim of the little cottage on Amity Street had been painted twice within Nan's remembrance, each time her father had done the work in his spare time. Now, with snow on the ground and frozen turf peeping out from under the half-melted and yellow drifts, the Sherwood cottage was not so attractive as in summer. Yet, it was a cosy-looking house with the early lamplight shining through the kitchen window and across the porch as Nan approached swinging her school books. Papa Sherwood called it, with that funny little quirk in the corner of his mouth, a dwelling in amity more precious than jewels or fine gold. And it was just that. Nan had had experience enough in the houses of her school friends to know that none of them were homes like her own. All was amity, all was harmony, in the little shingled cottage on this short by-street of Dewberry. It was no grave and solemn place where the natural outburst of childish spirits was frowned upon, or one had to sit stiff and starched upon stools of penitence. No, indeed, Nan had roamed and played in and about the cottage all her life. She had been, in fact, of rather a boisterous temperament until lately. Her mother's influence was always quieting, and not only with her little daughter, Mrs. Sherwood's voice was low, and with a dear draw in it, so Nan declared. She had come from the south to northern Illinois, from Tennessee to be exact, where Mr. Sherwood had met and married her. She had grace and gentleness without the languor that often accompanies those qualities. Her influence upon both her daughter and her husband was marked. They deferred to her, made much of her, shielded her in every way possible from all that was rude or unpleasant. Yet Mrs. Sherwood was a perfectly capable and practical housekeeper, and when her health would allow it, she did all the work of the little family herself. Just now she was having what she smilingly called one of her lazy spells, and old Mrs. Joyce came in to do the washing and cleaning each week. It was one of Mrs. Sherwood's many virtues that she bore with a smart, recurring bodily ills that had made her a semi-invalid since Nan was a very little girl. But in seeking medical aid for these ills, much of the earnings of the head of the household had been spent. The tea kettle was singing when Nan entered the dwelling in amity, and her mother's low rocker was drawn close to the side table on which the lamp stood beside the basket of mending. Although Mrs. Sherwood could not at present do her own laundry work, she insisted upon darning and patching and mending as only she could darn and patch and mend. Mr. Sherwood insisted that the sock always felt more comfortable on his foot after Mumsy had done it than when it was new, and surely she was a very excellent needlewoman. 
This evening, however, her work had fallen into her lap with an idle needle sticking in it. She had been resting her head upon her hand and her elbow on the table when Nan came in. But she spoke in her usual bright way to the girl as the latter first of all kissed her and then put away her books and outer clothing. What is the good to work from out of doors, honey? she asked. Nan's face was rather serious, and she could not coax her usual smile into being. Her last words with Bess Harley had savored off a misunderstanding, and Nan was not of a quarrelsome disposition. I'm afraid there isn't any real good work to be brought from outside tonight, Momsey, she confessed, coming back to stand by her mother's chair. Can that be possible, daughter? said Mrs. Sherwood, with her low, caressing laugh. Has the whole work gone wrong? Well, I miss in two recitations and have extras to make up, in the first place, rejoined Nan ruefully. And what else? Well, Bess and I didn't have exactly a falling out, but I couldn't help offending her in one thing. That's the second trouble. And is there a thirdly, my dear? queried little Mrs. Sherwood tranquilly. Oh dear, yes, the worst of all, cried Nan. The yellow poster is up at the mews. The yellow poster, repeated her mother doubtfully, not at first understanding the significance of her daughter's statement. Yes, you know, when there's anything bad to announce to the hands, the Atwater Company uses yellow posters, like a smallpox or typhoid warning. The horrid thing. The mill shut down in two weeks, Momsey, and no knowing when they will open again. Oh, my dear, was the little woman's involuntary tribute to the seriousness of the announcement. In a moment she was again her usual bright self. She drew Nan closer to her, and her own brown eyes, the full counterpart of her daughter's, winkled merrily. I tell you what let's do, Nan, she said. What shall we do, Momsey? repeated the girl, rather lugubriously. Why, let's not let Papa Sherwood know it. It will make him feel so bad. Nan began to giggle at that. She knew what her mother meant. Of course, Mr. Sherwood, being at the head of one of the new departments, would know all about the announcement of the shutdown, but they would keep up the fiction that they did not know it by being particularly cheerful when he came home from work. So Nan giggled and swallowed back her sobs. Surely, if Momsey could present a cheerful face to this family calamity, she could. The girl ran her slim fingers into the thick mane of her mother's quiet hair, glossy brown hair through which only a few threads of white were speckled. Your head feels hot, Momsey, she said anxiously. Does it ache? A wee bit, honey, confessed Mrs. Sherwood. Let me take the pins out and rub your poor head, dear, said Nan. You know I'm a famous massagist. Come do, dear. If you like, honey. Thus it was that, a little later, when Mr. Sherwood came home with feet that dragged more than usual on this evening, he opened the door upon a very beautiful picture indeed. His wife's hair was a glory of womanhood, for it made a tan all about her, falling quite to the floor as she sat in her low chair. Out of this canopy she looked up at the brownie serious man, roguishly. Am I not a lazy, luxurious person, Papa Sherwood? she demanded. Nan's becoming a practical maid, and I presume I put upon the charge dreadfully. She is good-natured like you, Robert. Aye, I know our Nan gets all her good qualities from me, Jessie, 
said her husband. If she favored you, she would, of course, be a very hateful child. He kissed his wife tenderly. As Nan said, he always cleaned up at the mills and came home kissable. I ought to be just next door to an angel if I absorbed the virtues of both my parents, declared Nan briskly, beginning to braid the wonderful hair which she had already brushed. I often think of that. Her father poked her tentatively under the shoulder blades with a blunt forefinger, making her squirm. I don't feel the wings sprouting yet, Nancy, he said in his dry way. I hope not yet, exclaimed the girl. I'll have to have a new winter coat if you did, and I know we can't afford that just now. You never said a truer word, Nan, replied Mr. Sherwood, his voice dropping to a less cheerful level, as he went away to change his coat and light the hanging lamp in the dining room where the supper table was already set. Mother and daughter looked at each other rather ruefully. Oh, dear me, whispered Nan, I never do open my mouth, but I put my foot in it. Goodness, returned her mother, much amused. That is an acrobatic feat that I never believe you capable of, honey. Well, I reminded Papa Sherwood of our hot log instead of being bright and cheerful like you. We will give him a nice supper, honey, and make him forget his troubles. Time enough to call to order the Ways and Means Committee afterward. Her husband came back into the kitchen as Nan finished arranging the hair. Come, Papa Sherwood, cried the little lady. Hot biscuits, the last of the honey, sweet pickers, sliced cold ham, and a beautiful big plum cake that our Nan made this morning before school time, her own self. You must smile at all those dainties. And the husband and father smiled. They all made an effort to help each other, but they knew that with the loss of his work would doubtless come the loss of the home. During the years that had elapsed, Mr. Sherwood had paid in part for the cottage. But now the property was deteriorating instead of advancing in value. He could not increase the mortgage upon it. Prompt payment of interest half yearly was demanded. And how could he meet these payments, not counting living expenses, when his income was entirely cut off? Mr. Sherwood was forty-five years old, an age at which it is difficult for a man to take up a new trade or to obtain new employment at his old one. End of chapter 2